All right, well, welcome today to uh, session. This is going to be looking at dental missions, but, but not just dental missions. It's going to be applicable to missions from a, from a number of different contexts. But the examples that we're going to look at today are, are going to be dental-based uh, examples. And uh, God's given us just great opportunity to have impact. How many of you that are here today, this is your first Global Mission Health Conference? First time that you've been here. Wow. That's great. Last year, I, I popped in for, for just a little bit, uh, part of the last year. That was, that was my first time ever, and I was just absolutely thrilled at uh, what God is doing here and beginning to raise. And I've been on the mission field, and I'm going to give you a little bit of my story here at the beginning so you can understand the context of, of my background and, and where I'm talking from. But it was so exciting last year as, as they had this map, and now they have the, the big map out front as you, as, you, as you come in there, and people are are placing uh, their pins on there to different places that they feel that like God's maybe given them opportunity to go and, and to share Christ. And, and being 12 years or so on the mission field, and, you know, and then transitioning back uh, very clearly that God was calling us back to, to begin a work and here in the United States, but uh, thinking, wow, you know, who's, who's coming behind? Who's, who's going to be there to begin to fill in? And as I look at that map, I now see pins you know, in some of the places uh, that we've had opportunity to serve over the years. And so it's just a, very exciting for us uh, to be here, to be a part of the conference that's going on. And, uh, and so I just want to share a little bit of, of what God is doing in our life and a little bit of perspective uh, from that side of, of having served and, and been overseas uh, for a number of years, uh, the role. And the title of, uh, of this message uh, came from an, an article I read as I was preparing to, to write an article on, on dentistry and, and missions. And, and so in doing that, I was looking up some articles. Uh, and the, the year that these articles were written were back in 1964. And 1964 is the year I was born. So it got me thinking. And the one article was titled, Operating on Two Fronts. And it was, it was a dentist that was, was in practice and felt very strongly that God was asking him to go serve in short-term missions. And so he wrote an article encouraging people to, to say that, hey, we can operate not only here, have an impact where we're located, uh, where our practice is at home, but we can also go and take our skills and abilities uh, to another place and begin to have impact there. And so as I began to be thinking about that, I read another article by uh, Dr. Dick Topazian, an oral maxillofacial surgeon, uh, somebody that I think is just a real pioneer uh, in, in medical missions. And he was in India for a number of years. He's come back and started a number of oral maxillofacial programs, uh, universities around the states. And, and as I was looking at that, and, and because it was, both of those articles happened to be written uh, in the year I was born, I began to think, you know, what about the changes uh, that are beginning to happen uh, on the medical mission front in, in the span of my lifetime? And, uh, you know, what, is, what, what are the, some of those changes and, and what are some of the opportunities maybe that, that God's opening as, as a result of those changes? And, and so I kind of expanded on the idea of operating on two fronts to the, the idea that as a body of believers that are, that are equipped with medical skills and, and abilities, and as we hear from God, he's certainly not going to lead us all down the same pathway but rather he's going to lead us into different opportunities. And so as a body, we have the opportunity to operate on multiple fronts. And I believe that the key to, uh, to really having long impact and uh, tremendous impact is, is all of us beginning to respond as God leads and directs us. And, and, uh, and together, through various channels and opportunities, uh, we're going to look at that. Let me share a little bit of 
where I'm coming from so you have a little bit of a perspective on, on who I am and, and uh, you know, what, why I'm talking about what I'm doing. But I graduated, we were talking from Case Western Reserve in, in Ohio, up in Cleveland, Ohio, in, in 1989. Uh, excited to be done, you know, finished that up and, and went into practice with my father. Uh, this is my father on his last day uh, as a dentist. Uh, at, in his early 70s, and uh, his last patient was, how many dental-related folks do we have here? Okay, so if you've been to dental school, you know that your, your, your first clinical experience was, was, was doing a prophy, a cleaning, you know, on somebody and probably likely a family member that you coerced to, to come into the clinic because you, ne- you needed somebody to do that. And so uh, my dad's uh, last uh, patient was uh, my son. Uh, Brett, and it was a prophy, and so he kind of uh, uh, ended his career uh, the way that he began. But for 10 years, we were in practice together in Warren, Ohio, and I began to really lay out um, what I thought was going to be my life. Um, we were starting the college education funds for the kids and had that set up. We were going in, you know, in practice. I was in the process of uh, – I built my practice there. My dad was there, so I was in the process of beginning to buy my dad out. And so his retirement was set. He was planning to retire uh, in his early 60s and to step out and, you know, the life in Florida, all those things that, that so many dream about. And, and God began to work in my heart. I had a real encounter with, with Christ uh, one morning as I was really seeking, you know, what is it that I believe? I'm a dentist. I've been born in the church, uh, not really walking with the Lord through, through college and dental school, but, but what is it that that I believe, and I now have two young kids, and what am I going to communicate to them? And so I spent two weeks just asking the Lord early morning before I'd go into, into work, Lord, what is it? Are you there? Are you there for me? And about ten days into that, uh, one morning, uh, Jesus met me in a, in a very real way, uh, just right there in my living room, and, and, and broke my heart. And I'm not a big crier, but I began to just bawl. And, and, uh, and uh, I understood at that, at that moment the sacrifice and, and God's love for me through his son, Jesus. And for me, that began to change everything. The, you know, why I was going to work and my purpose, uh, I was involved in the church uh, at that time. But, but now, you know, had real purpose of, of, of what we were doing and why I was doing what I was doing. I was involved in Rotary Club and civic activities and YMCA board and all those kind of things. And it just began to take on this whole new perspective for me. And as I began, became open to that, I felt like God was saying, Jeff, I have more for you in missions. And so, you know, I'm trained and I knew this and, and I had my life kind of laid out. And so I began, I thought, you know, I knew exactly what that is. I, uh, God's blessed us. We have a good practice here. We're going to give to missions and, and support missionaries. And so through our church, we began to do that. Carrie and I, my wife, committed uh, to that road and, and, and we, we began to... Uh, to lay that out, and, and in that process, God began to tell me in my quiet time, Jeff, I want you to be more involved in missions. And so I thought, oh, oh I know, it, you know, it's clearly what that means. That means I'm going short term. I can certainly give two weeks a year of my time, and, and, and I can commit, and I can go overseas, and I can take my skills and abilities uh, and, and do that. And so I did that, and, and in this process, uh, just to give a little bit of background, I was also just finishing up my, my MBA degree as well. And so God began to say, Jeff, I want you involved in missions. And so my last MBA th- thing I was doing, I, was, I began to put together a business plan for international dental clinics, in, uh, primarily in Asia. 
Uh, and I thought, wow, this could be a fantastic opportunity. We'll take Western dentistry into those areas. We'll provide state-of-the-art dental care. And off of those profits, we can provide care to the underserved. We can build a retreat center for missionaries to come and, and be able to relax. I thought, man, this is a fantastic use of what God has equipped me to do. And then I went on a trip to India. Uh, right around that time, I just finished my program and and I went to India, and I, and I was there. It was one of those trips. I know a lot of you guys have been there in, in medicine and dental, and it was one of those ones where you get up at 6 in the morning, and you, you know, you, I went out for a run at, at 6 in the morning, and there was about 25 people there in the courtyard. And it was just in this remote village in the northern part of India. And so I asked the pastor that was hosting us, I said, well, what are all these people doing here already? He said, oh, they're all waiting for the dentist. They're waiting for you. And so it was one of those, you come back, and at 8 o'clock you start to see patients and begin to do extractions. And at 8 o'clock at night, there's still 25 patients waiting for you to do that. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And God used that in a special way in my, to, to really begin to break my heart. And, and as I was praying and seeking what, what God had, he said just very clearly, Jeff, I don't want your money. I don't want your time. I don't want your plans for me. He said, what I want is you. He said, would you give up control and give me you? And at that time, I knew that I was going back from, from that trip, and I was going to face my wife and, and my, my two young children at the time and had to begin to share what God was laying on my heart. And so God opened up the opportunities for us. My wife was in a position to, uh, to come on board, and, and she was right there seeking what God had for her and and, and so together we began to pray, and, and God be, opened up the opportunity uh, for us to go to, to Bongalo Hospital in the country of Gabon on the equator on the, on the western coast. And we had an opportunity to go and, and, and build a dental clinic there and establish a, a training program uh, for dentists. So we, had, uh, we picked two dentists from, from the top, two top two people from the nursing class that graduated. They'd been through a three-year nursing program. Brought them in uh, and dentistry into, into our dental clinic, and we began a three-year dental training program uh, and with the idea that we would go and, tr- and transition this over to them. In that process, you know, I thought I had what it was going to take to get this done. I had planned and, and laid everything out uh, for what we were doing, and, and, uh, and God, for one reason or another, everything felt the equipment that we had Rotary Club International was one of their big projects, and three operatory, dental operatories set up. We were in this great hospital uh, there that was just lacking dental, but the equipment was going to be delayed. Uh, the books that I had put together to develop curriculum, uh, Carrie and I had done French studies so that we could teach in French, and, and so we went, and, and, uh, and th- those books, for whatever reason, never even got loaded on the container and have disappeared to this day. Uh, and so I had no books. I had no equipment. The, the, the facilities, beautiful building that was there ready for me, but you know, it wasn't plumbed. It wasn't any of those kind of things. And so all these things that I had planned just completely began to, uh, to fall apart. And, and, and the great thing is that, that God, in his time, once we turned to him, I tried to the best of my abilities to, to make all those things begin to happen. But as we turned to God, God began to build this dental clinic in the the jungle of Africa and to do it in such a way that only he could get glory for for what was accomplished in doing that. He provided books in a a very miraculous way. Uh, A fellow showed up, uh, uh, wanted to be trained. He was a missionary working in Guinea, and he said, listen, 
great opportunities. Can I come and hang out with you? He had already done a couple of years of, of dental training, uh, wanted to come in and, and just kind of work with our clinic because he was looking to begin a hospital in Guinea and has since uh, begun an actual hospital uh, there in Guinea. But he came for six months, and he showed up with three books, the, the, the same three books that I was using uh, to begin uh, my program and curriculum and allowed us to get started. And, and so God provided that way, an, an aseptico unit, uh, uh, portable dental unit that, that we use. And, and so, you know, they're designed for these little short trips, but for eight months, uh, you know, eight to ten hours a day, that thing chugged away in our little dental clinic, and, and we were able to, to begin to treat patients. And, and so we, we, we set up this program, and, and God just worked in tremendous ways, taught me, uh, just fantastic things to begin to rely on him and brought us together. And so we had this opportunity uh, to be there at, at Bungalow Hospital, a great mission hospital um, where they've been established, where the gospel was being trained. And, and so I began to learn how to incorporate my faith uh, as a dentist uh, there in practice in, in another culture and begin to do evangelism going out into the, into the side. And so we're thankful for the opportunity and, and the time that we had uh, there in, in Gabon at that hospital. One of the things, one story on that was we were going, we had, we had planned ahead, and I like to get all my ducks in a row and all these kind of things. And so at, at mission hospitals often, at least uh, at, at that point in time, you know, the orders for the whole hospital were once a year, maybe once every eight months or something like that. They would do a big order from, from Holland or from someplace in, in the U.S. or wherever the, the partnerships uh, were. And you had to get your order in and all the stuff that you needed came in. So I was in language study in Burkina Faso when the order went in. And they said, Jeff, hey, we need an order from you. And so we ordered uh, all the things that we thought we would need, uh, uh, anesthetic and, and gloves and, and all of those kind of things. And so uh, I got down to the clinic. You know, we started seeing patients. We scraped together enough equipment to begin going. Those books arrive. So we're able to start teaching and training program. But now the guys need to get their gloves on and, and get experience uh, alongside of me. And so we had a box of gloves getting low, and I sent Michelle, one of the guys I was training, to, over to the dispensary area, the stock room, to, to get some gloves. And I said, Michelle, don't bring back a box. We don't want to be running there every day back and forth, but, but bring us a whole carton of, of gloves back with you. So he goes and comes back, and he comes back with, with one box of gloves. I said, come on, you know, we don't want to end up doing this every day. He said, doctor, this is all that they would give me. I said, I'll, I'll take care of it. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't have enough pull here. I'll go over. I'm the new guy running the dental clinic. And, and so I go over there, and I talk to the guy. I said, listen, I, I just, this is ridiculous. I want a carton of gloves. Um, he said, doctor, we need to apologize. He said, we're really sorry. You know, we, we placed our order, and you know, because the dental clinic is new, he said, when I placed that order, I forgot to place the order for the dental clinic. And, and so we've determined that your dental clinic ration of gloves is one box per month. <laughs> so, so here I am. You can, you can imagine, you know, we got training program. These guys need to get gloves on. They need to, to be there with me, you know, understanding, beginning to treat. And, and uh, you know, I, w- I was a new missionary and not very good at it. And uh, uh, I just blew up. I mean, I just, I just uh, had had it. You know, I let everybody know I, I had ordered. I had done everything necessary to do and, and, and got very upset. And I, I went back to home and, and was carrying on with my wife. And so she just very you know, graciously just listened. And, and finally at the end she said, Jeff, she said, don't you think God's in control? Don't you think we should take it to him and, and pray about this? You know, you think 
you know, missionary, that's the first thing that you turn to. But, you know, me and my naturalness, you know, I I wanted to be there and solve and and take care of these problems. And I came to the end where I I, I just couldn't solve the problems anymore. And so we prayed and took it to the Lord. And I went down the next day because if you've worked in Africa in any capacity, losing your temper, uh, getting upset like that really can destroy uh, your witness and your credibility among among your coworkers, and so I went down and and, uh, and and repented and said, you know, I was wrong. I'm I'm so sorry for 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 the way I acted. And, and so we began to figure out how we're going to make do uh, the rest of that week. And, and on Friday, I get a knock on the door at the dental clinic, and they said, Doctor, we got the truck just came down, and we've got this big carton, you know, big about this big and this high uh, for the dental clinic. Uh, I said, well, what is it? They said, I don't know. It was up in Libreville, and they shipped it down, and it's just arrived here. And So I opened up that container and took it out, and there was a big box marked for the operating room. And so I took that and set it aside. And underneath of that box, the entire carton was filled with nothing but gloves. Gloves that had been sent over eight months previously. A lady that was in Toledo, Ohio, had heard about this dental clinic and felt like God was asking her to get gloves. And so she went, she went to her dentist. It was a dental clinic. She asked her dentist, hey, can, there's this dental clinic starting. Can you provide a box of gloves? And she asked her friends, and her friends said, ah, that's a little crazy. I don't really feel like we want to do that. So she went to her physician, and she went to her physician's neighbor, and pretty soon her friends saw that too and said, oh, she's serious. And so they began to ask their dentists and their physicians. And so they were boxed up all these gloves. Eight months when I was in language study in another country, and before I had any idea that I would know him and, and, and box that up and, and sent that. And so God in his, his goodness to me, it wasn't that he provided gloves. It was in his timing that you know, he didn't provide them a week earlier. Because if he had provided them a week earlier, they would have said, well, we only have one box of gloves for you. I said, no problem. I've already got a whole carton. But God didn't allow that to happen. He allowed me to, to go through this process. And, and in that, God taught me that you know he cares about me and he desires a relationship with me. I wasn't there to accomplish these things for God. God didn't need me to do that. But God wanted to use me. He wanted me to be in relationship with him as we began this process. And so my time at, at Bongalo Hospital for me and, and my spiritual growth was, was just tremendous uh, to be part of that and, and the things that, that God taught me. And, and we moved from there. We finished that, that clinic up. We transitioned that over. Uh, the guys, it would be 10 years in January since I turned the clinic over to them. And uh, they're continuing to, to run that. And they're, they're contributing receipts uh, to the overall uh, work of the hospital. And God's just blessing them in their ministry as, as they're sharing Christ uh, there uh, through the ministry that, that God's given uh, those guys to do. And from there, God took us uh, to Kuchala, uh, Mali. And uh, that's not me with my fingers in that abdomen, so don't. Don't worry, I keep a, to, the, to the mouth as much as possible. But God asked us to, to be a part of helping start a women's and children's hospital, and I knew that that was far beyond any experience or any competence that I had, but God clearly demonstrated that that's what he wanted us to do. And we saw God in miraculous ways see this hospital built, uh, staffed, equipped, and, and funded uh, for the work there in, the, in an area where it was the worst place in the world to be a woman uh, giving birth to a baby. Uh, and so they're making a difference in a, in a very uh, Islamic context, uh, seeing people now, after three, four years, 
uh, starting to turn to Christ and villages starting to experience that. And, and so it's an exciting co- to be a part of what God's doing in medical missions. And then, then we went into relief and development and oversaw that. We did medical consulting uh, w- with the groups around the world in Central Asia and the Far East uh, uh, and Africa and various places. And, and we just had a great opportunity to interact with, with people as, as God was calling them into missions, as God was putting them in really hard places. Um, had opportunity to go and, and to visit with them and, and to spend time and, and to hear their hearts. And, and so this is a, a little bit of my background uh, of, of how we're coming through and, and, and how I expect God to, to begin to work and, and why I, I believe that as we operate on multiple fronts, as we see what God is equipping each of us to do and we respond to that call and learn what it means to rely on him as opposed to you know, what we think we're bringing to God and, and making available to him, he wants to just use. He wants that relationship with us so that he can continue to guide and direct us in, in what we're doing. And so, God, just this January, brought us back to the United States uh, to work with the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. And just as clearly as He took us to Gabon, we weren't looking to, to leave Africa. We weren't looking at all to come back. And 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 God just made this clear. He said, Jeff. Here's this opportunity to, to work with, with, primarily with, with dentists, but to share that opportunity to help mobilize and, and, and to see uh, through medical missions uh, the kingdom expand. And so we're just very excited about what God's doing and the way that he's bringing things together uh, to begin to see that happen. And so it's a steep learning curve, just like it was going to another culture and understanding that as we re-enter back into the United States and, and begin to be acclimated uh, to what's going on here, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have, but we're continuing to learn uh, what God has and what he wants to teach uh, and uh, teach us and, and how he wants to use us. So the premise is, with so many changes in the world, could God be opening new avenues for medical missions in general, and dental in particular, to take a leading role in, in reaching the lost? You know, is, is God given us opportunity with many of the changes and things that are going? Is medical missions in a position to have impact? Is God opening the opportunities for us in new ways to be leaders in missions and seeing people come to Christ around the world? And, and, and obviously I believe he is, or I wouldn't be standing here uh, talking to you. But we want to look at, at just some considerations here real briefly um, as we go through this. We want to recognize that, that we're living and operating in an ever-changing environment, that things around us are, are not static uh, that whether we like it or whether we don't like it, we like the changes in what are happening in medicine, we don't like the changes that are happening, they're happening. And so we need to recognize uh, that they're happening. And then we also need to keep our eyes open for the opportunities that, that are coming around us. As, as God may be providing those opportunities, how do we discern? You know, is this just an opportunity that I should go toward? Is this something that uh, is just something that's there and, and God wants me to stay focused uh, on my practice or on whatever it is that God has? And then we want to look, a uh, uh, third thing we want to look at is just recognizing what God requires and begin to understand what our role in that might be. Let's look at uh, just a little bit, a couple things on, on changing environment. Uh, uh, how many are, uh, are active in short-term missions? How many have been on a short-term mission trip at least once? 
So you, so you're very experienced. You, you understand some of the dynamics and changing. I don't know if you're recognizing any changes if you've been doing over a period of years. Maybe uh, you're seeing some changes even in short term. So let's look at just some short term work. Uh, I read that article. I was telling you it was Dr. Wildrick, uh, Robert Wildrick, that uh, that wrote that article, operating on two fronts. When he was talking in 1964. He had already been on, on dental mission trips at that point in time. He was trying to encourage other dentists to go. But it came across this statistic in 1965, 540 short-term workers. And that's not 540 dentists that went on a missions trip. That's not 540 medical people that w- went on a missions trip. That was in 1964 for any type of mission, short-term missions trip. 540 people went on a missions trip in 19. 19- uh, 64 or 1965. Uh, well, I mean that that was it. Out of all the churches, out of all the people, that, of all, checking all the records that they have, 540 people left the United States to do some type of short-term mission trip, whether it's you know teaching or English or medicine or you know going to build a, a church or putting a roof on, whatever that is. The number for 1965 was 540. 2010. Over 1.5 million people from the United States went on short-term mission trips. And so there's just a tremendous opportunity. So Dr. Wildrick, as a, as a dentist in 1964, was a tremendous you know, pioneer. I mean, it was a new, a new thing to, to go and to, to pick up and to leave and to pay all that money to go to another country and, and make a difference. And, and so people began to do that. And so now God's opened tremendous opportunities for many people to be involved in many aspects. And all you have to do is walk around, uh, you know, one lap around here, and you see the, the tremendous opportunities uh, that God is providing for us through, through short-term missions. And so that's some of the changes. But there's other changes uh, if you've been around for a little while, and that is your, the access, the ability to, to get into countries to do that, it's beginning to change. You know, when I when I went to India, um, you know, I I needed my ticket and I needed my my passport. I had to get those two things first. And then I, all I had to do was I had to apply for a visa uh, to get into India, and then I needed to put together my dental tools. And I got on the plane and I went to India, and you know, for two weeks uh, we extracted teeth. There was a uh, uh, plastic surgery team there that was doing reconstructions and, and all kinds of things. But all I, I, you know, I had a suitcase of dental instruments, uh, a little bag of clothes, and, and I had these things. And I was able to go, and you know, that, that was all we needed. But Mike can tell you today some of the places that, that, that we're going uh, in missions. You need to have documentation. You need to have you know, your license copy. You need to have letters of invitation. Uh, you have to have things signed by the Minister of Health, uh, where you're going to invite you in. We've had places that have wanted, you know, a letter from your dental school or your medical school saying, you know, that you've completed your work and, you know, you need your everything that's going through. And so it's becoming very complicated. Uh, recently, on one of our GHO trips, uh, the Rural Vision was going out into the rural areas. Um, so they were in Central Asia and, and really wanted to do that. But at the last minute, the government said, no, you're not, you're not going to those rural areas. You're going here to the city, and you're going to one of our state-of-the-art hospitals. Um, you know, so, so dictate, it's, it's getting harder in a lot of places. Now, it's still open a lot of places, but the uh, governments are, are understanding, you know, hey, we're running the government here. We have our rules. We have our regulations uh, for medical, 
and they're expecting us to follow. So it's, it's getting a little bit more difficult, a little more cumbersome in trying to uh, put together the proper way to go in and to be on board with, with some of the things that, that we're doing. So short-term is, is one of those areas, just to kind of, because we're all familiar with short-term, that we see that, you know, the environment is, has changed a lot since 64, but it's changing daily and country by country. It's different. There's still places you can go and get in very easy and do what you want to do. Other places are very restricted, and, and government wants to be involved and to know what you're doing and, and have a right to, to do that uh, in the countries where they're doing. But as I come back from the United States, and the same is for medical, but in, in dental, the environment here is just changing uh, greatly. Uh, as I come back after being away to, you know, 12 and a half years and, and not being in the middle of it, but just some of the things that, that, that I'm observing, you know, the types of, of practices that are happening, uh, both in medicine and in dental, you know, the days of uh, a dentist graduating from dental school and, and going out and, you know, buying a building or renting a building and hanging their shingle and, you know, beginning to build a practice, uh, I'm not seeing that. That happened like it was when, even when I graduated. Uh, a lot of my class went and, and began to do that. You know, part of that is the debt load. Um, as you're coming out of school, you know, people are carrying debt loads. You know, talking with students that are 300,000 and more uh, in debt uh, with uh, with tuition uh, balances that, that they're owing, and so that's beginning to change uh, how they look, what the opportunities they have, and, and the way that practice is. And, and it affects the way, you know, the people that are, feel like they're called to missions. How do they get there uh, when you're coming out with, with, with this huge debt load uh, just from school? And how do you clear that up and, and doing that? So one of, some of the things we're looking at are creating pathways, uh, maybe that we can help uh, direct people in, in a direction that some of those things can begin to happen. Uh, insurance, Medicaid, huge Medicaid scandal involving dentists in Texas. Um, you know, ethical issues, things going on, commercialism. I was just at the American Dental Association uh, uh, meeting in San Francisco, and so I go down to the, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know if you heard missionaries when they come back from the field and they've been over there for a long time, you know, they're going to Walmart, you know, and you've got choices, choices, choices all over, and it's, you know, it's just kind of overwhelming when you're used to, you know, one brand of rice or whatever it is that, you, that your meals are made of. And, and so, but I went to, you know, the ADA, and they have an exhibitor hall, you know, Huge, and you walk in there, and wow, you state of the art, you know, everything dental that you can imagine going through there. And so, I'm going through there, and 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 just the whole, you know, commercialism of it, and but you know, good application and stuff. But I'm there, and they have this really cool laser. You know, it was when I, when I was, you know, before I left, this laser was like this, and it was seventy-five thousand dollars if you wanted to do it for soft tissue uh, work on gums and 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 those kind of things. Well. So I'm at, at this, uh, at the, in the convention center and, and going through there with one of my buddies who has this laser and wanted me to see it. And so going, and, and, and now that's not 75000 it's $7,000, and it's this big, and it's portable, and all of that. So I'm listening to this spiel, and it's this, you know, beautiful young lady, you know, all decked out, and she's coming, and, you know, they have, they have an ugly guy in the back that, that runs the whole thing. But, you know, they've got, their, they've got their sales guy, you know, people. They've got their whole marketing thing, you know, so... And so for, for 10 minutes, I listened to how this laser could increase my profits, how it could, you know, I could get more patients through, patients that were already there for a cleaning. You know, with one little quick zap of this, I could double my production in that hour. And for 10 minutes, I heard how this could benefit me financially. And in that whole spiel, not one benefit for my patient was laid out. You know, and for me, that was... Wow, you know, is this 
I don't think, you know, and I don't think that's typical of our, of, of our medical community. I don't think it's typical of our dental community either. But it is telling, you know, that these are the things that, that they're using to sell because they must be working uh, as they're selling that. So for me, you know, as I look back and, and I'm just seeing, you know, these tremendous changes, um, a lot more talk on the underserved populations too, uh, which, is, which is interesting. It's a good thing, but the, the talk is out there. You know, before we didn't hear anything about that. You know, people were doing what they were doing, but now at least it's a conversation. How are we meeting the underserved? You know, the mid-level providers in dentistry is a, is a big topic now. Uh, do we – mid-level is the answer to, to reaching – uh, the people that aren't served, uh, you know, all these things are topics uh, that are going on. And so we're seeing this big change uh, in our environment. But we're also seeing a change internationally. Uh, some of this we talked about. Countries are adapting new standards uh, of care. The WHO is working very hard to, to raise the level of, of medical care uh, around the world, uh, other groups as well. And so they're adopting rules, regulations, many of which can't be achieved in those countries but are, but are being uh, adopted, and so it's creating this, you know, this whole within the medical communities. How do we treat? And so there's a whole population, of course, that is continuing to be uh, unserved or, or underserved in many countries, even though the standards that are being adopted and, and laid out are, are becoming state of the art, very similar to what to what we have here. Um, of course, politics and nations changes everything. You know, you can look at North Africa, uh, what's what's going on there. Um, boy, so many places in the world. So what, one day you may be able to go in and, and have opportunity uh, can change in a heartbeat. Our hospital in Mali, uh, just in the last year, in this, within this year, we had the hospital that's established there. Uh, the whole north of the country has been overrun uh, by, by rebel troops there. The government that was in place was overthrown by the military at the same time. And so there's this tremendous instability today in the country, even though our personnel are back in and, and continuing to operate. Uh, in that country, but, you know, it can be day-to-day, and all those things can change in a heartbeat. So that needs to affect how our strategy is and what we're looking at and how we're doing and, and uh, putting uh, uh, things into practice and in places. But And there's also a tremendous response to, to lack of, of dentists in countries. We'll just take a look at India because we're talking about that. Um, just some numbers on, on India. In 1964, when Dr. Topazian was finishing up there, the ratio – of dentists to population, one dentist for every 300,000 people in that country. And so he, his title of his article was one to 300,000, saying, you know, listen, we need dentists. We need to mobilize our medical people to get over and, and serve these people. And so uh, dentistry, you know, looked a lot like, like this, you know, on the street corners and, and, uh, and, and people going. And you still see this today, don't you, Mike, uh, when, you, when, you, when you're there, people working and and going through that. Do you know what the, that ratio is today? So India is a population since 1964 that has continued to grow tremendously in population. you know what that ratio is today? It's only 1 to 10,000. They've done it through 202 dental schools in the country, and they graduate 13,550 dentists every year in India. Every year in India. So they've taken that gap from 300,000 and shrunk it down to... 10,000, one dentist for every 10,000 people. And so, you know, dentistry, some places in India, is, is very modern. Um, I was talking to a fellow, the nicest dental office. He's been through all the Dawson and Panky courses. He's been in all those guys' offices. The nicest dentist office he has ever seen uh, was in India. He said, state-of-the-art everything. He said it was just absolutely incredible. So why do I tell you this? 
it's, things are changing. In Africa now, there's about 60 dental schools uh, spread out different places. So, so countries are, are responding to, to the needs for, for, for medicine. And so that's going to have an impact on maybe the way and the opportunities that we have to interact uh, in medical as we go in, as, as countries are beginning to uh, supply the physicians, uh, the dentists, uh, to help meet their, their needs. Uh, those are things that we need to consider because uh, things are really changing there. Advancements in technology, uh, I touched on that a little bit with the, with the laser and, and different things that are coming. When I first landed at Bongalo Hospital, we, had inter- we didn't have Internet. We had email, and it was by ham radio. And so we would come, and, and it was one for the whole mission station, and it was located at our house. And so we would get up at 6 in the morning, and we'd hit send and receive. And letters would come in one and a half words at a time for each person's email, every single email. Choo, 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 just like that. And so you can, if you had somebody try to send you a Word document attachment, it literally shut down the whole system for the entire day until it could all be cleared out, and then you could hit send and receive. And choo, choo. So we would do that. There would be about, I don't know, 15, 20 people on that. We started at 6 in the morning or whenever that is, and by afternoon most people could have their emails because most people were sending them emails new, plain text, Super short, say what you needed to say, and, and do it. Uh, and so that's, that was, we had no Internet access for research and doing all of that. The time we got to Kuchala Hospital in Mali, uh, we were able, off of our roof, we had a huge satellite receiver. And so we were hooked up to a company in Europe, and we had super high-speed Internet service, better than I've had to this day here in the United States. And so when, when one of our, our nurses uh, uh, got into an accident uh, on her bike, fell in, and she actually lacerated her liver and, and began to bleed, and her stomach was tight, and, and we didn't think she was going to make it, um, we were able to do a live Skype, uh, Skype chat with, with a trauma surgeon. Uh, right there, we had a, a portable ultrasound machine, and so we were able to do a scan and de- realize uh, what was happening with the internal bleeding get a trauma surgeon on, on the line and was able to talk through our options. Uh, medevacing, we lined that up, all the things that we thought we might have to do in doing that. But that was just in, in, in four or five years. The change has been just rapid in technology. And so we can now go into, into the operating room and, and have experts uh, working with us and consulting with us in live time uh, as we're there looking at new procedures that are before us. Nobody else to treat them. Uh, we need to learn how to do them and doing that. So, so technology, that changes. So those changes also affect us in the way that we do and the opportunities that we have uh, to interact uh, with the world around us uh, and doing that. And, and then here's, here's a real important one is the, is the changing mission environment. Um, the focus of where mission organizations are looking to go and how they're looking to go and, and where they're sending people. So resources and, and are shifting from the traditional places uh, where people have been responding to the gospel for many years to those places where people have not been responding and haven't heard yet. And so we're seeing a tremendous shift in those areas. You can see the, some of the statistics, 2.4 billion living in more than 5,000 unreached people groups uh, in this day. And, and mission agencies are saying, we're committed to going to the tough places. And so they're looking for people and ways to go in and do that. So they're seeing one of the things that we're going to see is an increasing emphasis on committed professionals to get the job done. And so that opens opportunities for, for medical professionals to, to go in and live Christ and share the gospel where other people can't go in. When I, as I was able to do consulting in some of, some of the places uh, 
missionaries that were more traditional in their training and all that are kind of caught up in this this wave of this change and this focus, you know, and are struggling with, boy, are, you know, how are we relevant today and, and looking. And a lot of them are, are making this change and, and embracing some of that. And I've had opportunity to consult and, and, and to work with them. But the, the biggest question uh, that they would ask me is, is Jeff, and as we go into these contexts, who do we say we are? You know, they've been able to work in places where they've been the missionary and the pastor of the churches and, and all of those kind of things. But as they're looking to go, the question most often asked of me is, is who do we tell them that we are? What is our purpose for being here? As I do worked around with, with medical people, uh, I never had that question. Um, what I had, the question I had from them was, uh, how do we get more help? How do we get more help? People are responding. These things are beginning to go, and, and we need more help to help carry the load for us. And, and so with, with all of these changes that are beginning to happen in the world, you know, is God using those changes uh, to create new opportunities for us as we move forward? Let's look here uh, briefly in time we have left at, at some of those changes. Mentors, a tremendous opportunity to, to invest in people's lives and to have your life invested in. This is part of that building that relationship. As God's taught you things, who are you bringing alongside uh, of you? And who are you learning from as you do this? I know in dentistry so often, you know, we go into practice and we're, we're on our own a lot of times. You know, we don't have a tremendous amount of interaction. So we need to be intentional about seeking that out. My dad, of course, was a, was, was a great mentor to me. I touched on three of them. Dr. David Thompson, as I went to Bungalow Hospital, Dave is out here. He's a surgeon, started the PACS training program for uh, for, for training African physicians to become surgeons. He was my mentor at, at Bongalo Hospital, and initially he was my assigned mentor because we were in the same mission. And so we, one time we got together at the assigned time and went through that. We prayed together, and thereafter we couldn't find a, a time. Dave was so busy, I was so busy, and all that. But every day I noticed that, that Dave w- would be done with the second case. He would go out to, over his shoulder, that little building there, and have a cup of coffee. So it was about the time that I was finishing up my lecturing part of my course. And so every day I made it a point to grab my coffee and to go sit with Dave. And so I was telling him about, you know, all these things that God was doing at Bongo, how he was supplying. And, I, man, I was super excited. You know, the gloves came and the books came and eventually the equipment came and, and all these kind of things. I'm saying, Dave, wow, look at what God's doing. And he just turned at me with the, this kind of look and he said, Jeff, you better get used to it. He said, that's the way God works around here. It's like, Wow. You know, this guy lives that faith on a daily basis. And so hanging around with him and, and talking with him, you know, was just a – he was a tremendous mentor as, as I learned to be a stand out in my faith and understanding what that meant. And, and now Dr. Peter Dawson uh, is a guy that helped make possible uh, the position at, at Christian Medical and Dental Associations. And so as I look at him and, and, and what – is retirement at 84 years old, still lecturing, still uh, providing some of the, the, the top lecture uh, courses uh, in dentistry in, in the United States. Uh, uh, you know, I don't call him when I have a question on occlusion or trying to find centric relation and all that kind of thing, but, but on, on life things and to see his example and the way he is living with his wife and uh, what God's doing through him uh, is just incredibly encouraging. So I'm thankful for the mentors that I had. But the important part is what are we doing for mentoring others? You know, whatever stage you're in, young, there's people that you can bring alongside. Certainly, you know, if, if you have children, uh, God's given you that tremendous opportunity uh, to begin to mentor. Those that are children in Christ that we've been able to lead into the kingdom um, certainly are, are, are people that we can, 
mentor and, and be an example for. Uh, coworkers, uh, Daniel Jada uh, and me worked together. He was an engineer on our building of the hospital project, and, and, and we just learned so much from each other uh, just in this relationship as, as he was teaching me about Malian culture and all my mistakes as I was trying to, to go through these things and, and just that interaction and the joy of, of really sharing and, and, and going through that together and certainly people that we work with and our training if you're faculty and all of that. So, so mentoring to me, um, you know, it's such a buzzword, coaching, mentoring, you know, doing all these things. And so often we think, okay, we have to schedule this time, you know, for this phone call and doing all that. And, and I've, done, I've been through that, and, and, it, and it's a great opportunity. But we just need to start by hanging out with people that are, that are walking with God and learning from them and then inviting people to, to come and hang out with us, uh, see what we're doing, how we're doing, let, you know, let them see our faults, uh, you know, as, as well as, as what we want them to see, uh, live with us in, in reality. And it, and it just makes a tremendous difference, and I'm so thankful for those that, that God brought into my life. Short-term medical missions still fantastic opportunities in that, uh, uh, certainly for providing uh, continuing education for, for medical professionals. Uh, we see that at our CMDE conferences for medical missionaries in, in Africa and Asia. Every year there's, there's conferences in one of those places so that they can get all of their continuing education, keep their licenses current. Uh, about 300 bucks uh, it costs you for a whole week or two weeks. Uh, of being there in about 50-some hours of continuing education. So we need doctors and dentists that are volunteering their time to go over and teach uh, so that people can continue to, to do that. Uh, certainly training uh, different levels of, of care providers, uh, the opportunities to do that. And, of course, so many people without access to dental care or medical care to go over and treat makes a tremendous difference uh, in their lives. And so we want to see that. But another area uh, for consideration, uh, filling in for a missionary dentist. Um, you know, or a physician. We have our, our, at our, our OB at the hospital in Kuchala is just slammed with cases continually. Um, so for him to get away for a couple of weeks for CE or, or time with his family, very, very difficult because if he leaves, who's going who's gonna to be left behind? And so we depend on volunteers to come and fill in that gap so that they can get the rest and continue to, to be there full-time. Same thing with our dentist. This, uh, Dr. John has just started a nursing school, a hygiene school, uh, over in Ethiopia. And, and so I said, hey, are you going to the, to the conference coming up for CE? He said, man, I, I just can't. I'd love to go. But uh, I got nobody to, nobody to cover and to continue to teach hygiene uh, for what we're doing. And so great opportunity. You know, we don't often think about that. But, man, we could go fill in for somebody for a couple of weeks and, Refresh, rejuvenate, family time, you know, give them all of that. And so things to consider uh, doing that. Of course, working locally here where we are, you know, we need to be involved uh, where we are, establish those habits, uh, ways of lifestyle, living. Uh, you know, if God's called you to the mission field, it doesn't start when you get on that plane. It starts, you know, right now. When people say, I want to come do this, how can I be involved? My first question is, what are you doing? Because if you're not doing it now, you're not doing it, and, you know, you can't do it in your own culture. You're not going to be doing it in somebody else's culture. Um, very difficult. So get involved uh, right where you're at and, and, and look at that. Uh, teaching international schools. I just got back from Mongolia. Uh, what a tremendous opportunity there. School, 600 dental students uh, going there. Uh, the dean is a, is a believer. You say, man, we want, he's led several people to Christ, uh, dental students. And so I met with uh, four or five uh, dentists uh, that are believers in a country where there's very few. And very exciting. He said, come, we need clinical instruction. 
work with our faculty first and work with our residents. You know, we'll get to the dental students later, but you know, we got all this knowledge. We got PhDs. We've studied, but man, we don't know how to, clinically. We have no experience. Come teach and, and, and train uh, with us in that. And internationally based dental clinics, mission hospitals, opportunities. I was in Central Asia going through there in one of the very creative access countries and, and, and uh, went there, a hospital that was built by the Iranian government in this particular country. And so I'm doing a tour with, with, with their leaders, and we come to this beautifully equipped dental clinic. And they said, man, you know, so they spent 10 minutes giving me the spiel of found out I was a dentist. Come, work here, salary, get this set, set help us get this going. Um, you know, it's sitting here empty. We don't have a dentist to come do it. So what if we had a, a dentist that was ready to, to go and work cross-culturally, be employed uh, in an Iranian hospital in a, a very closed-access country? Um, you know, what opportunities that God might provide and thinking uh, of doing it in a little bit different way um, than the typical mission hospital uh, routes. So, so God's opening, and, and that's just one example. There's many examples out there that we've run across uh, in doing that over the years. And, and international dental residency programs is, is one of the things that, uh, um, that we're praying about. You know, could we establish post-grad programs and dental residency, like the PACS program for training surgeons and and there's family practice residencies that are going, but what about dental residency programs? Uh, people coming out with very little clinical experience as we establish uh, in those countries, uh, bringing in those dentists uh, in, a, in a program, two to three year program of discipleship and, and creating an excellence in dentistry so that they in turn can teach others, go back to the university, start practice. If their country permits mid-level providers, they're the ones that can go and begin to train those mid-levels according to the government standards. And we equip and disciple them, and then they begin to have impact uh, in their own countries. I think tremendous opportunities, again, as a result of my mentor, Dave Thompson, at Bangalow Hospital, and living under that example, uh, just seeing those great potentials and possibilities. Prayer and financial support, we can't forget you know, we're often involved in short-term missions. We want to be involved. We want to go do it ourselves. But those folks that are living that life 24-7, they need our support too. You know, so if we're taking all of our funds and, and just going and doing it and leaving them high and dry, there's a key role that. And so we need to make sure that we're upholding them in prayer and that we're upholding them financially as they continue to, to serve long-term. And the last thing is we need true pioneers in, in medical missions, people that don't have to have all the answers, that are saying, you know, God's moving me, here's the opportunity, God's clearly called, and I'm willing to step out and we'll figure it out as we go along. And that's really because dynamics are changing continually, and so we need people that are willing to be entrepreneurial. What does God require? I keep coming back to this uh, I, and my whole walk with him and all the things. You know, when i got to zero it out again, what, do, what does God require of me? He says, to act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. You know, and as I look at that, it's, it's, it's in that walk with him that, that God really begins to direct. You know, I had all these plans that I wanted to accomplish for God and laying them out and doing all that. But what God wanted was for me to walk with him. And I believe that, that this is the key to operating on, on multiple fronts is the fact that, you know, we can sit here and we can form a, a strategy committee and out of here, we, we're gonna, and we're going to do some of that uh, later on if you're a dentist at, at uh, 4 o'clock, uh, come back and we're gonna, what are we missing? But we can sit and, and strategize and, and do all of these things and, and, and I believe it's going to fall flat unless we're all walking with God and God's going to take each one of us 
and show us that direction we have, and, and he's going to pull that together to accomplish all that he wants to do through the medical community, through the dental community. And uh, we can't do that in our own efforts, our own planning, and our own strategy. We each have to be committed to, to walking humbly with him and hearing from him and learning to hear his voice like we heard last night if you were here, uh, hearing that voice and responding to it and, and recognizing that, that this is from God and he wants me to make that response and, and, and that change. Second thing is that we have in mind the things of God. Many good things out there, uh, humanitarian efforts, uh, all these things are, are, are good. You know, and, and as Jesus was talking about the upcoming cross and what he was going to do, Peter had Jesus' good in mind when he said, hey, you know, I'm not sure you should be going down that road. And, and Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but you have in mind the things of man. Peter was doing good. He was good intentioned. It was, it was a good thing that he didn't want, you know, God, Jesus is, is mentor to, to die on the cross, but it wasn't of God. And so as we consider what is it that God wants us to do, you know, I, as I look at that, you know, there's a lot of things that, that I wanted to do and, and, and to accomplish, but were they the things of God um, or were they the things of man? So we want to know, make sure that, that we have uh, the mind of God as, as we continue and then this verse, too, that we deny ourselves and not just deny ourselves things. And, and the difference is this. You know, when, when God was working in my heart and, and I wanted to maintain control, you know, I'm willing to give up some of my salary so that I could support missionaries. So I'm denying myself some benefit that I could have from, from that income. Or I'm denying myself time or taking some vacation time from my family. I'm denying myself that. Uh, in order to go over to India and, and work for a couple of weeks. But what God wants is not that. He doesn't want me just to deny myself things. He wants me to deny myself and come after him and pick up my cross and, and to follow him. So God needs people that are committed uh, to doing that and, and willing to walk uh, that road with him in order to get that done. And the final thing is simply this, that we begin. That we begin. You know, Ecclesiastes, whenever I start a new project, I'm always drawn back to, to two places in the Bible. Uh, and, and one of them is Ecclesiastes, just reading through that and, and trying to understand those things. But, to, you know, you don't, we don't know what's going to work, you know, whether this or whether it's that that's, that's going to be. But as God continues to guide and direct, he's saying, you know, be active. Get on with what it is that you're doing, and I'm going to continue to show you the way. Um, as we go along. So as we walk with God, I think there's some, just some basics that we can come back to and, and com- convince that, that God's going to do that. Dr. Wildrick and, and his operating on two fronts uh, in 1964, he had people that were saying, man, what are you thinking? Two to three months out of your practice in the course of a year? How can you do that? How can you spend all that money on equipment and tickets and all those things to go to some foreign place and, and do that? I mean, Today, you know, it's, it's readily acceptable, but in that day, imagine nobody else is doing that. You know, he was out there. Uh, and this is, what, this is what his response to those people were. He said, well, I felt I could if it were God's will, so I got over that hurdle. End of discussion, he went, and God provided. He was just so clear that God would have him to do that that, you know, I don't, I don't need to explain this. It's God's direction, and, and, and so we're going on. And we'll close with this remark. He states that, we know our business and, and time is running out. People are searching and people are dying. Let us not concentrate on security and get tangled up with material comforts at home. Let us as Christian dentists take the initiative and use our talents in this world ministry to bring Christ to the nations. And I think it's 
as true today as it was uh, when he wrote that in 1964. And I think as, as God equips and as we walk together, it's exciting, man. I think this is a great time to be alive. Uh, changes are happening, and we may not like them. But I think God's going to use them and give us opportunity. And so as we walk with him, he's going to provide uh, for us as, as we continue. So thank you for your time and uh, uh, for coming today. And if you're dental, uh, let's meet together at, uh, at 4 o'clock, uh, dental specialty, and, uh, and uh, talk through some, some things on missions that, that, that maybe we're missing. So have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day.